0: Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This discussion is going to be on Alma chapter 50. Remember that we're in the war chapters now, and we got to remember that Alma uh, has gone uh, gone away. He's been translated, and um, that every word that Mormon has included in the Book of Mormon here is for us in, our, in the latter days. So we got to think about that. Think about these uh, chapters and verses here in the war chapters and how they pertain to us. All right, chapter 50, verse 1. And now it came to pass that Moroni did not stop making preparations for war or to defend his people against the Lamanites, for he caused that his armies should commence in the commencement of the 20th year of the reign of the judges that they should commence in digging up heaps of earth round about all the cities throughout all the land which was possessed by the Nephites. And upon the top of these ridges of earth he caused that there should be timbers, yea, works of timbers built up to the height of a man round about the cities." And he caused that upon those works of timbers there should be a frame of pickets built upon the timbers round about, and they were strong and high. And he caused towers to be erected that overlooked those works of pickets, and he caused places of security to be built upon those towers, that the stones and the arrows of the Lamanites could not hurt them. And they were prepared that they could cast stones from the top thereof according to their pleasure and their strength and slay him who should attempt to approach near the walls of the city. Thus Moroni did prepare strongholds against the coming of their enemies round about every city and all the land. And It came to pass that Moroni caused that his armies should go forth into the east wilderness. Yea, and they went forth and drove all the Lamanites who were in the east wilderness into their own lands, which were south of the land of Zarahemla. And the land of Nephi did run in a straight course from the east sea to the west. And it came to pass that when Moroni had driven all the Lamanites out of the east wilderness, which was north of the lands of their own possessions, he caused that the inhabitants who were in the land of Zarahemla and in the land round about should go forth into the east wilderness, even to the borders of the seashore, and possess the land. And he also placed armies on the south and in the borders of their possessions and caused them to erect fortifications that they might secure their armies and their people from the hands of their enemies." And thus he cut off all the strongholds of the Lamanites in the east wilderness, yea, and also on the west, fortifying the line between the Nephites and the Lamanites between the land of Zarahemla and the land of Nephi, from the West Sea, running by the head of the river Sidon. The Nephites, possessing all the land northward, yea, even all the land which was northward of the land bountiful, according to their pleasure. Thus Moroni, with his armies, which did increase daily because of the assurance of protection which his works did bring forth unto them, did seek to cut off the strength and the power of the Lamanites from off the lands of their possessions, that they should have no power upon them the lands of their possessions. And it came to pass that the Nephites began to, the foundation of a city, and they called the name of the city Moroni, and it was by the west and it was by the east sea, and it was on the south by the line of the possessions of the Lamanites, and they also began a foundation for a city between the city of Moroni and the city of Aaron, joining the borders of Aaron and Moroni, and they called the name of the city or the land Nephiha. And they also began in that same year to build many cities on the north, one in a particular manner, which they called Lehi, which was in the north by the borders of the seashore, and thus ended the 20th year. And in these prosperous circumstances were the people of Nephi in the commencement of the 20 and first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. So this is around 71 BC now. And they did prosper exceedingly, and they became exceedingly rich. <clears throat> yea, and they did multiply and wax strong in the land. And thus we see how merciful and just are all the dealings of the Lord to the fulfilling of all his words unto the children of men. Yea, we can behold that the, that his words are verified even at this time, which he spake unto Lehi, saying, Blessed art thou and thy children, and they shall be blessed inasmuch as they shall keep my commandments. They shall prosper in the land, but remember, inasmuch as they will not keep my commandments, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And we see that these promises have been verified to the people of Nephi, for it has been their quarrellings and their contentions, yea, their murderings and their plunderings, their idolatry, their whoredoms and their abominations, which were among themselves, which brought upon them their wars and their destructions. And those who were faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord were delivered at all times whilst thousands of their wicked brethren have been consigned to bondage or to perish in the sword, by the sword or to dwindle in unbelief and mingle with the Lamanites. In the last section of Alma, the lengthy description of war could at first glance seem to contradict the assertion that the theme of the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. However, a careful reading of the war chapters reveals just the opposite. Mormon uses the drama of war to verify the old promise of prosperity if the Nephites keep God's word, and of adversity and affliction if they do not. His purpose is to show that the Nephites as a whole brought their own problems upon themselves through iniquity and dissension, but God protected and delivered the faithful among them. The irony of the wars in the book of Alma is that the Nephites were righteous enough to win the wars, but not righteous enough to prevent them from taking place. According to President Kimball, God had given a special promise to the Nephites, which is valid to all the people of America. If they would stay sufficiently righteous, they would not have to fight. Verse 23, but behold, there never was a happier time among the people of Nephi. Joseph Smith says said that the happiness is, happiness is the object and design of our existence and will be the end thereof if we pursue the path that leads to it. And this path is virtue, uprightness, faithfulness, holiness, and keeping the commandments of God. Elder Maxwell said, First questioner, how much real happiness is possible in this veil of tears? The disciple. That depends directly on our righteousness. The saints of the first century AD in the Americas were described as follows. Surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God. Even in the period around 70 BC, which saw much in intergroup warfare, the righteous and faithful were happy. Indeed, Alma wrote, but behold, there was never a happier time among all the people of Nephi. Fortunately, happiness is not totally dependent on what, what those around us do. Therefore, second questioner, even so I see some sad-faced members of the church, don't you? The disciple. Too many, of course, but not among those who have received his image in their countenances. None among those who've gotten outside their confining circle of selfishness. Indeed, the brethren are happy while they cope with serious and somber problems. Someone said it is too bad we don't preserve the small talk of great men. so, too, the humor of holy men who serve as special witnesses. Continuing verse 23, since the days of Nephi, and in the days of Moroni, yea, even at this time, in the twenty and first year of the reign of the judges. And it came to pass that the twenty and second year of the reign of the judges also ended in peace, yea, and also the twenty and third. And it came to pass that in the commencement of the twenty and fourth year, so this is now about 68 B.C., of the reign of the judges, there would have also been peace among the people of Nephi had it not been for a contention, here we go again, which took place among them concerning the land of Lehi and the land of Morianton, which joined upon the borders of Lehi, both of which were on the borders by the seashore. For behold, the people who possessed the land of Morianton did claim a part of the land of Lehi. Therefore, there began to be a warm contention between them, insomuch that the people of Morianton took up arms against their brethren, and they were determined by the sword to slay them. But behold, the people who possessed the land of Lehi fled to the camp of Moroni and appealed unto the for assistance. For behold, they were not in the wrong. And it came to pass that when the people of Morianton, who were led by a man whose name was Morianton, found that the people of Lehi had fled to the camp of Moroni, they were exceedingly fearful lest the army of Moroni should come upon them and destroy them. Therefore Morianton put it into their hearts that they should flee to the land which was northward, which was covered with large bodies of water, and take possession of the land which was northward. And behold, they would have carried this plan into effect, which would have been a cause to have been lamented. But behold, Morianton being a man of much passion, therefore he was angry with one of his maid servants, and he fell upon her and beat her much. And it came to pass that she fled and came over to the camp of Moroni and told Moroni all things concerning the matter and also concerning their intentions to flee into the land northward. Now behold, the people who were in the land bountiful, or rather Moroni, feared that they would hearken to the words of Morianton and unite with his his people, and thus he would obtain possession of those parts of the land, which would lay a foundation for serious consequences among the people of Nephi, yea, which consequences would lead to the overthrow of their liberty. Therefore, Moroni sent an army with their camp to head the people of Morianton to stop their flight into the land northward. And it came to pass that they did not head them until they had come to the borders of the land desolation. And there they did, did head them by the narrow pass which led by the sea into the land northward, yea, by the sea on the west and on the east. And it came to pass that the army which was sent by Moroni, which was led by a man whose name was Teancum, did meet the people of Morianton, and so stubborn were the people of Morianton, being inspired by his wickedness and his flattering words, that a battle commenced between them, in the which Teancum did slay Morianton, and defeat his army, and took them prisoners, and returned to the camp of Moroni. And thus ended the twenty and fourth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And thus were the people of Morianton brought back, and upon their covenanting to To keep the peace, they were restored to the land of Morianton, and a union took place between them and the people of Lehi, and they were also restored to their lands. And it came to pass in the same year that the people of Nephi had peace restored unto them, that Nephiha, the second chief judge, died, having filled the judgment seat with perfect uprightness before God. Nevertheless, he had refused Alma to take possession of those records and those things which were esteemed by Alma and his fathers to be most sacred. Therefore, Alma had conferred them upon his son Helaman. Behold, it came to pass that the son Nephiha was appointed to fill the judgment seat in the stead of his father, yea he was appointed chief judge and governor over the people with an oath and sacred ordinance to judge righteously and to keep the peace and the freedom of the people, and to grant unto them their sacred privileges to worship the Lord their God, yea to support and maintain the cause of God all his days, and to bring the wicked to justice according to their crime. Now behold, his name was Pehoran, and Pehoran did fill the seat of his father, and did commence his reign in the end of the twenty and fourth year over the people of Nephi. Elder Carmack said, "We notice the explicit and direct obligations Pehoran undertook as chief judge and governor. Notice in verse 39 that he had, that there was an oath that he took. No modern official has a similar charge. His responsibilities were akin to those given judges and kings in ancient Israel. The oath administered to the chief judge obligated him." To Judge righteously, keep peace and freedom intact, guard the privilege of worshiping God, support and maintain the cause of God, bring the wicked to justice according to their crimes. As in ancient Israel, spiritual and temporal duties intermingled. We don't know who administered the sacred ordinance or of what it constituted, but likely the high priest of the church officiated in some kind of formal anointing, as prophets did for kings in Israel. Pahoran took office at the end of the 24th year of the reign of the judges instituted by King Mosiah. Little did he realize what he would face, and almost immediately, perhaps for most of us, it is well that we don't know much in advance about the trials that we must face. Uh, and so Pehoran now is going to take over as chief judge, and then that's gonna, there's still going to be some wars and battles going on between the Nephites and Lamanites. So come back, stay tuned, there'll be more. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time.